As we are in week three of this series, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, I want to teach from this thought. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm just, just curious at all of our locations today, how many of you would raise a hand and say, Pastor, I've heard that statement used before. I've heard that phrase before, don't judge a book by its cover. Just slip a hand up. Yeah, m- m- most, of us, most of us have that. This phrase means that the cover doesn't tell the whole story, especially when it comes to people. The, the, the story, the, the, the outside cover doesn't tell the whole story. There's more to a person than what we see on the outside, And if we're honest, as imperfect human beings, we can all have the tendency, the the bent, the lean, the propensity to judge people by their cover, to size people up by their cover, to to make conclusions and draw conclusions and, and make decisions on people by their cover. My my wife, Tiffany, and I, we've been married going on 17 years now, and I remember when I first met Tiffany, and Tiffany grew up in Nebraska. She spent about eight years or so in Nebraska of a town around 40,000 people or so, and then moved to Wisconsin. Her parents are uh, pastors and went to Wisconsin, and her, the town there was a town of about 15,000 people, and both of those towns Tiffany grew up in had something in common. Neither one of them had very many black people in those towns. Matter of fact, years ago when I first went to visit, I might have been the only black person <laughs> in them towns. And, uh, and I remember when I met Tiffany, we met in college in Missouri, and we started to go out and date, and Tiffany wrote a letter home to her mother, and she was describing me. Mom, I've met an angelic being, a heavenly creature. Okay, that's not, that's not true. All right? That's my version of it. But she wrote home a letter to her mom, and she was describing me and talking about this guy, and this guy that loves God, and I met him. And Tiffany had been in college for a month or so now, and her mom got the letter, and she read it to her husband, her, Tiffany's dad, and said, I think Tiffany has met her husband. She's only been in college a month or so, but I've never heard her talk about a guy the way she's talking about this guy. And it was a month or so later, her parents showed up at the university, and we were going to go all out to dinner, and I walked over to Tiffany's dorm room to meet her parents, and her uncle was there as well, and so they're finally getting to meet this guy she has this crush on. We're going to all go out to eat at Lone Star Steakhouse, and I walked to Walter Hall and walk in the dorm room, and Tiffany forgot to describe me. She left out one detail (laughs) in her letter. She didn't tell him I was black. I walk in, hello. <laughs> no, no, her parents were cool. It was great. That they're g- godly people, great experience. But can I tell you, there's no doubt about when I walked in, I was not what they thought I was going to be. When I walked in, uh, they began to judge the book by its 
cover. Come on, we can all do that. Size people up. Look at people. Draw conclusions about people based on their appearance, based on their cover. And, and what I want to do today is I want to look at Jesus. And I want you to know something about Jesus. Jesus does not judge us by our cover. He does not judge us by our outward appearance. I want to share a story with you in the Bible from John chapter 4 about how Jesus encounters and meets a lady and and he does not judge her by her cover. Not only does he not judge her by her cover, but I want you to understand something else about Jesus. He does not condemn us by our current circumstances. He does not condemn us by our current situations. And I want us to look at this today as we continue the series. It's okay not to be okay. I want to give you three observations from the woman at the well. Three observations from the woman at the well. And the first observation is this. Jesus accepts us no matter who we are. He accepts us no matter who we are. Let's look together in John chapter 4. And I'm not, the, the, the text is very long, so I'm not going to read all of it to you today, but I encourage you today or tomorrow, take some time and read this entire story for yourself. John chapter 4 verse 3 says, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. It was about 12 p.m. in the afternoon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, notice this, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You see, the Jewish people thought the Samaritans were beneath them. The Jewish people didn't hang out with Samaritans. They didn't talk with Samaritans. And what I want you to understand today is that prejudice and racism isn't something that's, that's been an issue just since the 19th century or the 20th century or in the 21st century. This issue has plagued the human race for many, many years. It was prevalent in Bible days. Matter of fact, as you look throughout the Word of God, prejudice and racism is all throughout the Bible. And I, I could pick numerous stories to zoom in on right now to, to illustrate what, I, what I'm communicating to you from God's Word today, but, but I, I picked Acts chapter 10, and it, it's an interesting story. And in, in this portion of Scripture, in Acts chapter 10, a guy named Cornelius from the Italian regiment, the scripture says, he was a Gentile and he had this vision, he had this dream and this angel of the Lord came to him and told Cornelius to send some of his people to get this Jew named Peter and bring him back and he's going to share some wonderful news about God with you and your family and your household. So, so Cornelius sends his servants to go get Peter. At the same time, Peter is on top of his roof, the scripture says in Acts chapter 10, and he has this vision. He gets this trance from the Lord, and, and what happens is the Bible says a sheet 
dropped down from heaven. And on this sheet, the Bible says that there were four-footed animals, and there were reptiles, and there were birds, and, and God said to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said back to God, I've never had ham hock and chitlins and <laughs> hog moths and pig feet. I can't, I can't eat this stuff. You know I don't eat this stuff. I, he says, I, I have never had, the scripture says it like this. Peter said, I've never had anything impure or unclean. And God says, don't you call what I, something impure and unclean what I have called clean when I've called it clean. And this happened on three different occasions. And, and then he snapped out of the, the trance, the vision. And the scripture says that the spirit, that's how the word of God says it in Acts chapter 10. The spirit says to Peter, there are two men, there are three, two or three men coming to meet you right now. Don't be afraid to go with them. Go with them. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. This Jew goes to this Gentile's house. And I want to pick up there in the story in Acts chapter 10. I do encourage you to read this story in your own time with the Lord today or, or tomorrow. Acts chapter 10, picking up in verse 27. It says, while talking with him, Peter talking with Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against, check this out, it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. We've got laws, bub. We don't even associate with you kind of people. We don't even hang out with you people. We don't talk to you people. Then he goes on to say, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now, I want to bring this to the 21st century because I think it's easy to read the scriptures and to really miss the tension that's going on. So the Bible says that Peter, this Jew, walks into a Gentile's house and he says to this man, he says, hey, man, hey, man, God told me that you people aren't impure and unclean. Can you imagine walking in somebody's house, a different skin color than you, and walking in and say, hey, hey, you know, it's against our law to hang out with you people. God told me y'all are not as impure as I thought y'all were. I mean, I mean, you better pray it up that morning. You better have prayed up. Come on. I hope you hugged your kids goodbye. Amen. Before you come. I mean, I want you to get the tension because we read this stuff like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, this is, this is tension. This is prejudice. This is judging a book by it's covered. And the scripture goes on to say that Peter shared the message of Jesus Christ with Cornelius and his household. And, and they were saved. They, 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 they gave their life to the Lord. And Acts chapter 11 goes on to say this in verse number 1. The apostles, the leaders of the church, and the believers, these are, these are the Jews, throughout Judea, Judea heard that the Gentiles, they heard that the Gentiles Cornelius and his whole household also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the Jews, criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised, uncircumcised man? You went to a Gentile's house? Hold on, hold on. And ate with them? They're not like us, you ate with them. I want you to notice that some Gentiles had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, 
And the leaders of the church are criticizing Peter because he went inside of their home. Instead of rejoicing and celebrating that more people are on their way to heaven, that they're living for the Lord. No, 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 no. They're judging a book by its cover. And Peter goes on to explain what happens and how God spoke to him and how he went and shared the message of Jesus Christ and how God said they're not impure and unclean. And, and the Bible says that the leaders of the church, they began to rejoice when they heard Peter tell the story. But first, God had to deal with their heart before they could rejoice. And Peter, he sums up the heart of God best when he says to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I want you to hear the heart of God. Cornelius, he's at his, he's at, Peter's at Cornelius' house, standing in the living room, and he says this. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God, not talking about people, God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Can I tell you, that's why Jesus goes to talk to this Samaritan woman. Other Jews would not associate with her. I mean, she's of a different race. She looks different. That is, we're not going to associate with her. But can I tell you that Jesus accepts and loves people just like they are. Hear me today. No matter your race, your face, or your place, Jesus loves you. I'm about to wrap in this place today. God is not prejudiced. And as followers of Christ, we should not be prejudiced. It, it doesn't matter what the world does. We should not be prejudiced. Here's what the scripture says in James chapter 2 and verse number 1. Says, my brothers and sisters, those who are in the family of God, those who are in the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And yet, many of us, we struggle with showing favoritism. When Tiffany and I began to date and things were progressing and we were falling and falling in love. Tiffany received a letter from a family member. And the letter from the family member, and this family member was a believer, precious believer, loved the Lord with all of their heart, serving the Lord. In the letter they, they wrote, I do not put my blessing on the relationship with you and Herbert. The Bible says you cannot marry a black man. And the scriptures continue, continue to list scriptures, of course, out of context, but continue to list scriptures of why this was not of the Lord. And Tiffany was obviously hurt, devastated by this letter. And I ended up meeting this group of relatives, and when they met me, obviously, they had judged the book by its cover. And when I walked into their home, I walked in and said, yo, 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 what up? What's I holla at your boy? No, I didn't do that. I went in, and 
had conversation and we talked and not about this particular issue. We talked and hung out and had a great time together. And this particular family member began to seek the Lord, began to seek scriptures, began to study what the word of God was saying in context. And that family member ended up sending a letter back to Tiffany a month or so later and apologized and said, what I've been taught is wrong. I've looked in God's word for myself and I have things in my heart and I'm wrong. Forgive me. I now put my blessing on this marriage relationship. And just like the apostle Peter and the leaders in the early church, God had to deal with their heart. Those people are impure, are unclean. Just like Tiffany's relative, God had to deal with their heart. I realize that in this church today at Midwest City, Oklahoma City, those joining us online, that there are prejudices in hearts even today. And what I want to say is we need to let Jesus deal with our hearts. You know how it all begins? You know how it all begins? We have to be honest. We have to be honest. You see, Tiffany's family member was honest. Peter was honest. God, you know, I, they're unclean. Peter was honest. The, 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 the religious leaders, the Jewish people, the, the leaders, were the apostles, they were honest about where they were. And because they were honest, God began to deal with their heart. And you know what else we have to do as a church? And I love this church. I love being a diverse church. I love what we stand for, what we're all about. Can I tell you what we also have to do is, listen, God doesn't just want us to sit together in rows and look at each other. But you know what Peter did? He actually went to Cornelius' house. Come on, we have to find people that are different than us. And it may not be skin color. It may be economic status. It may be social status. It may be somebody totally different than you. They come from a different part of the country. And we have to learn to get together and go to somebody's house and fellowship with somebody and get to know somebody and let God tear down the walls and, and, and come on, have a meal with somebody. You ate with them. I did eat with them. Now what's up? And let God change our hearts. Because in the body of Christ, God says, listen, as a believer, you must not show favoritism. And I want you to know what People's Church is all about. Perhaps this is your very first time to People's Church. At People's Church, we will, we will love and accept you no matter if you're black, you're white, you're brown, you're yellow, you're green, you're red, whether you're a man or a woman, young or old, Republican or Democrat, rich or poor, whether you come in this place suited or booted or in sweatpants, it makes us no difference. We will love you. We're not trying to keep people out. We're trying to get people in. We're trying to get people connected to a heavenly Father. It doesn't matter to us what you're all about. And, and there can be tension in our world about race. Listen, you're welcome at People's Church. Red, yellow, black. Listen, white. Some of you blue. Amen. We love you like that. Come on in this place and encounter Jesus Christ. Two of our worship, two, two of our media leaders, directors, and lo love our media team. They're incredible. Andy grew up in Yukon, white guy. Isaac grew up in northeast Oklahoma City, black guy. And they had never hung around other races very much. Matter of fact, you know, I just said, man, I never really hung out with white people much, Pastor, you know. Come to people's church. He said, Andy said, Pastor, I grew up in Yukon Mustang. I didn't even know there was black people in the state. <laughs> he said, I had no idea there was black folks in northeast Oklahoma. I didn't even know. And they've both been working at People's Church for several years now, and they have become 
some of the closest friends and their life is richer prejudices and preconceived ideas they had have just melted away because we're better together we're better together we're better together I know it's challenging I know it's easy to hang out with people just like yourself that's the easy thing to do and I commend you for being here I commend you to for being a world changer for setting the pace to saying God's going to use me we're going to see the walls come down you know what Andy told me he told me this a couple of weeks ago when I was shooting a video he said pastor I never knew that turned up was even a word until I came to people's church. And all I'm saying is people's church is all about coming together. We're better together. I believe we bring honor and glory to God when we come together and we love one another and we, come on, we make Jesus famous. That's what we're all about. I'm not going to judge a book by... Is covered. There's a, second, there's a second observation that I want us to see today, a second observation from the woman at the well. Number two is this, Jesus will come and get involved in our mess. Come and get involved in our mess. Notice this in John chapter 4 and verse 3. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go. Notice those words. Now he had to go through Samaria. You see, the Jews detested the Samaritans so much that they would go the long way around to get to Galilee. They would go all the way around the Jordan River so they could avoid passing through the Samaritans' land. So the Bible is making a huge statement when it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus, a Jew, he did not go the long way around to avoid the Samaritans. No, 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 no. Jesus went right through their land, right through their area. Why? So he could minister to one Samaritan woman. That's the beauty of Jesus. He will go to uncomfortable places to minister to people that everybody else will avoid. That's the Jesus we serve. And in John chapter 4, I want you to see this encounter in verse number 16. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. We go, duh. <laughs> you see, when Jesus decided to go through Samaria, he knew he was going to meet a lady, a Samaritan woman, whose life was a mess. Jesus says, listen, lady, it's okay not to be okay. Samaritan woman, other people may not love you. They may not accept you. They may abuse you. They may think you're worthless. They may think you've made too many mistakes. They ha may have written you off. But lady, I haven't. I, I know you're at this well drawing water at noontime because you're trying to avoid people. Listen, lady, I understand the culture. I understand that people come to draw water morning before the sun comes all the way out. I understand that the time that people draw water is at sunset so they can avoid the heat. And here you are at the heat of the day. I know why you're here, lady. You're trying to avoid people. You feel shame. You feel rejected. You feel condemned. So you're here by yourself trying to draw water. So you can avoid people. 
And Jesus, he goes right to the lady, right where she is, right in her circumstances. He walks right in the middle of her mess, not to condemn her, but to help her. Sir, ma'am, your addiction, your secrets, your sin doesn't scare Jesus away. Jesus loves to walk right in the middle of a mess and help people and minister to people and to, 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 to not, not to come in people's lives and reject them or to ridicule them. No, no, Jesus says, listen, 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 listen. It's okay not to be okay. Hey, lady, I know you have five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. I'm here, but I'm here, lady. I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'm not running from you. I stepped in the middle of it. I knew when I was coming to Samaria, I knew I was going to meet. I came to this well to meet you. Because I don't run from a mess. I'll run to a mess because I want to help you and minister to you. Listen to me today. It's okay not to be okay. Jesus, he will meet you right where you are. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to act like you have it all together. He will meet you right where you are. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay not to be okay if you're on your way to being okay. And that leads me to point number three. Number three is this, a third observation from the woman at the well, and that is Jesus will turn our mess into a message. He'll turn our mess into a message. Notice this in the text in John chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink. In other words, he says, listen, lady, if you knew who I was, I'm not a Mac daddy. I'm not trying to be husband number six. I'm not trying to be your boyfriend. I'm not here to condemn you. If you only knew who I was, lady, it's okay not to be okay, but I don't want you to stay that way. And he goes on to say, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his, his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give, he's talking about spiritual water. He's talking about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. He says, listen, lady. Lady, listen, listen to me, lady. The, the, the living water I offer will change your life. The living water I want to give you will cause you to stop thirsting after all the wrong things. It'll stop you from looking for love in all the wrong places. It will, it will satisfy the deepest desires of your heart and of your soul. And he goes on to say, indeed, the water I give in verse 14, I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, referring to the work of the Spirit, this this living water, this spring of water welling up. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Here's what I want you to see. This lady's encounter with Jesus changed her life. Check this out. This, This is incredible. John 4 and verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This lady was changed. 
She went from drawing water at noon to avoid people, to avoid being ridiculed, to avoid shame, to avoid condemnation. And after her encounter with Jesus, she's not trying to avoid people. She runs to people to tell about her experience with this man, this Savior, this God named Jesus. And I want you to see what happens in John chapter 4 and verse 39. It says, many, many, come on, all locations, everybody say, many. That's key. That's key. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. People's church, sharing your testimony is powerful. God can use your testimony to change people's lives. Hers was a radical testimony. She didn't know much about the Bible. She didn't know much about Jesus. She's she's, she's sitting there debating with Jesus. She didn't know much about him. But can I tell you, you don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible and everything about Jesus to share your testimony. Can I tell you, nobody can argue your personal experience with Jesus Christ. Come on, you ought to share it. God will use it to change somebody's life. The day she encounters Jesus, she just shares her story. Let me tell you about a man that touched me. Let me tell you about a man that changed my life. Let me tell you about a man that offered me living water. Let me tell you about a man that says, I'll never thirst again. And her life was changed. In John chapter 4 and verse 42, the scripture goes on to say, They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world because of your testimony and we encountered Jesus for ourselves. hear me people church this revival all started because Jesus asked this lady for a drink of water a revival broke out because Jesus asked her for a drink of water don't miss this don't miss this whenever God asks something from us it's because he has something for us Whenever God asks something from us, it's only because he has something for us. Lady, give me a drink of water, but I really don't want your water. I want to give you living water. I'm asking something from you because I have something for you. And today, Jesus is speaking to some people and says, give me your marriage. Come on, give it. Come on, give me your, give me your husband. Give me your wife. Give me your kids. Give me your finances. Give me your career. Give me your education. Give it to me. He's asking something from you. Give me your life. Give me your mess. Give me your situation. And the only reason I'm asking something from you is because I have something for you. I want to take your mess. I specialize, specialize in, in stepping in the middle of people's situations. People trying to avoid you. People don't want to mess with you. People judging you by your cover and by your mistakes and by what you've done and by how you look. That's not me. I'll step in the middle of your mess, Samaria. I know I'm a Jew and you're a Samaria, but I step. I know you had five husbands and the man you're with now. I'll step in the middle of your mess and I'll give you living water take your mess and to turn it into a message for my glory.